Welcome to day 155 of Shaped by the Word. We continue our journey through Romans. I'm Paul Kemp here with Katie Kresge and Matthew Kresge. And Romans has gone all too fast. Mm-hmm. It seems like we just started the book of Romans. What a rich explanation of the gospel that uh, Paul preaches wherever he goes. The power of God, he tells us, for the salvation of everyone who believes, first for the Jew and then for the Gentile. Mm-hmm. Uh, he spends, you know, the first four chapters, you know, describing what it means to be justified by faith, and chapters five through eight, the dynamics of our life in the Spirit uh, as we live out the faith that we have been justified into. And then, of course, he answers a big question that must have been burning in the minds of so many of his readers. If the gospel is first for the Jew and then for the Gentile, then why have so many of the Jewish people rejected the gospel? So he's dealt with this in chapters 9 and 10, and we left you hanging last Friday, so we pick up in chapter 11. I know you've been waiting for this all weekend. Uh, he continues to dive into the mystery, offers a hopeful solution, but beyond that leads us to understand the mystery of God's ways, which is beyond any of our comprehension. Mm-hmm. So before we dive into this chapter, uh, let's, uh, let's offer ourselves in this moment to the Lord. Katie, do you mind praying for us? Heavenly Father, thank you for this moment that we get to share together as your people, as your body. Thank you for the opportunity to open up your word um, and that we can do it freely without um, worrying about um, being arrested or um, persecuted for openly reading your word. Help us not to take that for granted. Um, Lord, thank you so much for revealing yourself, your heart to us um, in your word and in Christ Jesus, and, and help us to remember um, the beauty of that. Help us to remember what that means for us and that it is a, a gift that you have given to us freely, um, though it was costly for you. Um, it is free for us to receive, so thank you, God, for that. And as we read your words, would um, your spirit just um, bring it to life for us and, and empower us to um, to be changed by it. It's in Christ's name we pray. Amen. This is actually our second take. We had some workmen slamming doors just down from us a little bit. I wish you could have heard Katie's prayer the first time. It was <laughs> probably the most wonderful prayer that uh, Katie has ever prayed, and I'm sorry well, you guys missed out on we that. We can superimpose it maybe later. <laughs> Romans chapter 11. I ask then, did God reject his people? By no means. I'm an Israelite myself, a descendant of Abraham from the tribe of Benjamin. God did not reject his people whom he foreknew. Don't you know what scripture says in the passage about Elijah, how he appealed to God against Israel? Lord, they have killed your prophets and torn down your altars. I'm the only one left, and they're trying to kill me. And what was God's answer to him? I reserve for myself 7,000 who have not bowed the knee to Baal. So too, at the present time, there's a remnant chosen by grace. And if by grace, then it cannot be based on works. If it were, grace would no longer be grace. What then, what the people of Israel sought, so earnestly they did not obtain. The elect among them did, but others were hardened. As written, God gave them a spirit of stupor, eyes that could not see and ears that could not hear, to this very day. And David says, may their table become a snare and a trap, a stumbling block and a retribution for them. May their eyes be darkened so they cannot see, and their backs be bent forever. Again, I asked, did they stumble so as to fall beyond recovery? Not at all. 
Rather, because of their transgression, salvation has come to the Gentiles to make Israel envious. But if their transgression means riches for the world and their loss means riches for the Gentiles, how much greater riches will their full inclusion bring? I'm talking to you Gentiles, and as much as I am the apostle of the Gentiles, I take pride in my ministry in the hope that I may somehow arouse my own people to envy and save some of them. For if their rejection brought reconciliation to the world, what will their acceptance be but life from the dead? If the part of the dough offered as first fruits is holy, then the whole batch is holy. If the root is holy, so are the branches. Some of the branches have been broken off, and you, though a wild olive shoot, <clears throat> have been grafted in among others, and now share in the nourishing sap from the olive root. Do not consider yourself to be superior to those other branches. If you do, consider this. You do not support the root, but the root supports you. You will say, then branches were broken off so that I could be grafted in. Granted, but they're broken off because of unbelief, and you stand by faith. Do not be arrogant, but tremble. For if God did not spare the natural branches, he will not spare you either. Consider, therefore, the kindness and sternness of God, sternness to those who fell, but kindness to you, provided that you continue in his kindness. Otherwise, you also will be cut off. And if they do not persist in unbelief, they'll be grafted in again, for God is able to graft them in. After all, if you were cut off of an olive tree that is wild by nature and contrary to nature were grafted into a cultivated olive tree, how much more readily will these natural branches be grafted into their own olive tree? I don't want you to be ignorant of this mystery, brothers and sisters, so that you may not be conceited. Israel has experienced a hardening in part until the full number of Gentiles has come in, and in this way, all of Israel will be saved. As is written, the deliverer will come from Zion. He will turn godliness away from godlessness away from Jacob, and this is my covenant with them when I take away their sin. As far as the gospel is concerned, they are enemies for your sake, but as far as election is concerned, they are loved on account of the patriarchs. For God's gift and his call are irrevocable. Just as you who were at one time disobedient to God have now received mercy as a result of their disobedience, so so they too have now become disobedient in order that they too may now receive mercy as a result of God's mercy to you. For God has bound everyone over to disobedience that he may have mercy on them all. Oh, the depth of the riches of the wisdom and the knowledge of God, how unsearchable his judgments and his paths beyond tracing out. Who has ever known the mind of the Lord who has been his counselor, who has ever given to God that God should repay them. For from him and through him and for him are all things. To him be glory forever. Amen. Mm. So we've spent three chapters on the mystery of election, and we end up with the doxology that says his ways are beyond tracing out. Mm-hmm. And, and, of course, we've talked about that you know, time and time again. If uh, election is difficult for us to wrap our heads around, we realize we've entered the mystery of God that is so far beyond us that we cannot fully grasp it. We can see his hand at work, and we can see the pattern of the way that he works with people. And, of course, Paul reminds us that it's a gracious work by which he brings people into Mm -hmm. his presence, into a relationship with him, not based on any merit, not based on any inclination, but based on grace, which he says would not even be grace if it were done any other way Mm -hmm. so we have a gracious gift of god and we also entrust ourselves to him whose ways are beyond tracing out knowing that he is good Mm -hmm. that he is holy that he is just and uh, we will ultimately be satisfied 
with everything that he has done. Yeah. Uh, I love how Paul ends kind of this, you know, section on election and thinking about um, what it means both for, you know, people to be elected and for God to be the one who does the election. And, and he ends with the doxology. I mean, this beautiful, you know, just kind of worship. I mean, you see his theology leads to worship and worship leads, you know, his theology or drives his theology at the same time. And, and I think one of the things I see today, you know, as people begin to speak out about election is they either just dismiss it as if a God, you know, if a God elects, I don't want any part of it. Mm-hmm. And they dismiss the mystery and, you know, the God who does electing. And then the other side of it is this tendency to just say, well, I'll figure it out theologically and I have it right. And I'm on the side of election, so I'm good. And to, to still not maybe get to the doxology part. Mm-hmm. And I think what Paul would tell us is if we're considering election and it doesn't lead us to the doxology to marvel at, you know, who God is and what he has done, we've probably thought wrong about it. Yeah, we have, we've come at, you've come at it from a very human perspective. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, we have to, we have an emotional reaction to it, mm-hmm. which is, I don't want anything to do with that. And we yeah. have an intellectual reaction to it. You know, I want to figure that out yeah. and you know, describe exactly how it happens. And uh, in, in this instance, both of those are mis- misleading us. Mm-hmm. Uh, I love, you know, what David says in the Psalms when he says, you know, help me not to concern myself with matters too lofty for mm-hmm. me. Help me to be content in your presence as a young child is with its mother. Mm-hmm. And uh, that that's a, a good way to, re- you know, resolve this. To, I, I love to, I've always talked about, you know, taking, you know, taking the, tinker toys out of the box and playing with you know theological constructs but at the end of the day putting them back up and putting our confidence in who God is and how he works mm-hmm. and the depth of his character and his love and his mercy which is rich toward all it's mm-hmm. interesting to think of um, God's plan in this whole thing because his plan isn't to harden the Israelites um, and the Jews um, so that they would be gone forever, far away from him forever. But he has a plan to to bring them in. Um, and so it's out of love. And, of course, when you step back and when you're distant from it, you're able to see that with clearer perspective. Um, but I'm sure in the middle of it, it's so hard to see that it's out of love that mm-hmm. he's, you know, letting letting their hearts be hard and only saving for him a remnant. But of course, there's a there's a great reversal that's actually taking place. Whenever, you know, God brings the children of Israel to the foot of Mount Sinai, uh, He says to them that I am making you a nation of priests and a holy, holy nation. And, and of course, their you know their commission you know from God was to live in such a way that the Gentiles would become envious mm-hmm. of the grace of God and their people. Now the tables are turned. Uh, there's been a wholesale acceptance, you know, in, in Rome especially. This church has grown, you know, largely from being a Jewish-centered church to a Gentile-centered church, and so there's wide acceptance of it. But the purpose for the Gentiles is to live out the grace of God in such a way that it makes those around them mm-hmm. envious of God's grace. And we, we need to remember that as part of our calling. Our calling is to, you know, to display God's grace along with our proclamation of the gospel and for people to see the excellencies of his ways by the way we live with one another by the way we treat our enemies by the way you know we function in the body of mm-hmm. christ and they're to see something absolutely you know remarkable mm-hmm. in us yeah Isn't it, it, oh go ahead uh, <laughs> i want to hear what you're gonna say oh, anytime gonna you say, get two kresgies <laughs> together this just happens we always have something to say isn't it funny though that um 
the the Gentiles, you can tell that they have started getting a little bit prideful about this whole thing, like that they have yeah. been grafted in, and that some of the Jews are you know aren't considered a part of. Yeah, I don't know. Well, I mean, that's you know Paul's kind of whole argument, right? Is like you don't understand the nature of grace if you think you're the one who grafted yourselves in. Yeah, you know, and he says it was God who grafted you in. Right. to this olive tree and, and it's uh, you know, there's a lot of theology built up and I mean that kind of hinges on even this chapter in some ways right where just a little bit you know is the church yes. the true Israel is there another and, you know, and what there, is the and, full and inclusion there, and there you go of Israel <laughs> yeah. we went there yeah, yeah. absolutely just in time for us to yeah. not be able to say much about it what but is <laughs> you know I, I think as we yeah. read this you know we want to read it with, with the view in mind that you know, Paul here is highlighting God's grace towards both Israel and the Gentiles. And, and as we, you know, as we kind of re- seek to reconcile or maybe build a theological framework around, you know, what does it mean for Jew and Gentile to exist together? And is this, you know, which I think as yeah, a church we'd absolutely. be probably comfortable saying, you know, that we do see here, you know, th- that this is pointing us to the church, you know, that, yeah. that God's intentions through Israel was always... That that was his lead up, you know. Not all of Israel is Israel, and then he goes on to, you know, talk about how those who were Gentiles by nature, even though they weren't circumcised, you know, have become children yeah. of Abraham, you, you know, through faith. And so you see a larger inclusion. And when he says all of Israel would be saved, he's not talking about every single one that is born physically yeah. of Abraham, but every single one whom God in His divine plan. Uh, has brought to faith the faith of Abraham mm-hmm. and have become a spiritual, you know, descendants of Abraham. Mm-hmm. And, and you're right, Katie. We, we've we've totally missed grace if grace leads us to arrogance and pride, mm-hmm. and to dismissive, you know, to a dismissive spirit, you know, toward those around us who have not come into grace. Mm-hmm. And so that is originally what happened to the nation of Israel. They were dismissive of the nations, mm-hmm. and now the nations are in danger of being dismissive. Of Israel, and that was never God's plan. As to take as we read, you know, in Ephesians, uh, you know, the two and make one man mm-hmm. out of them, mm-hmm. tearing down the dividing wall. Mm-hmm. And, and so the Gentiles need to continue to work in, in that. And of course, a huge lesson for us that uh, if our faith leads to arrogance, then our faith is not yeah. really an understanding of grace, mm-hmm. which becomes no longer grace if the emphasis. Is on us, which I think is why this doxology at the end is such good news. Mm -hmm. This is where all of it should lead us. You know, is back towards a praise. Oh, the depth of the riches and the wisdom of the knowledge of God! How unsearchable His judgments and His path beyond tracing out. Who has known the mind of the Lord, or who has been His counselor? Who has ever given to God that God should repay Him? For from Him and through Him and for Him are all things. To Him be glory forever. Mm -hmm. I mean, I mean that should be the resounding cry of the church that we keep continue. For and from him and through him and for him are all things. Yeah, he is, he is the source. He is the means, and he is the goal. Yeah. and that's you know, beautifully, beautifully put. And have not all of us, you know, wanted to be his counselor? <laughs> but oh Lord, if you had only done it like this, or if you had only arranged my life like this, or if only you had taken this past year and you know and done it and done it this way. <laughs> And that's where we trust the sovereignty of God, and not only the sovereignty of God, the power of God, and the goodness of God, mm-hmm. uh, and, and the mercy of God. He is, yeah. He has been good to us. Mm-hmm. What a wonderful, uh, what a wonderful way to end that. 
Matt, do you mind closing yeah. us with a word of prayer? Father, we thank you for this passage. Thank you for the encouragement um, that your word brings, that we're reminded of, of both your grace towards us and, and the salvation you've accomplished and applied to us. Um, Father, we, we with Paul, um, declare that, that all things are yours, and, and we marvel at that. Um, Father, we worship you. Um, may the words of the doxology be our words today and, and forevermore. God, would we continue to find our hope in you and you alone. And um, God, would you continue to use us to, to draw um, other men and women and children to yourself so that they may know the grace that we have received. Um, Father, we love you. In St. Christ's name we pray. Amen.